The following content has been provided by RWTH Aachen University. Um, at the chair, we are not really experts in Android programming, but uh, I talked a little bit with Aaron, who is more familiar with, with Android, and uh, he was willing to share uh, some of this um, information here for the class. Um, so Android is um, an operating system for our Windows system and operating system for the mobile device platform originated by the so-called Open Handset Alliance that was uh, or is led by Google. And that's basically Google plus service providers like T-Mobile and uh, some chip manufacturers like NVIDIA. So basically they joined each other to say, well, uh, we want to bring up an alternative um, platform. The iPhone was there in 2007 and the Open Handset Alliance was actually found in November 2007, so basically after the launch uh, or presentation of the iPhone. Um, so it's a free and open platform for mobile devices. As you know, it is open sourced, um, and different manufacturers, they also have different visualizations of the home screen, for example, in their, for their handsets. So um, technically, the background is the same, but in the... In the um, in the front end, there might be changes, for example. Um, and what's also different in comparison to iOS, we have the same API for all applications. So there's no differentiation between native and third-party applications. There's no differentiation between private or public APIs, uh, like we have with the iPhone. Um, so that means we have also less restrictions um, on mobile control. We can do probably more out-of-the-box things compared to iOS, which is much more restrictive. Um, and that has, of course, several pros and cons. Like I said, user experience can be, um, can suffer from this. Um, the battery power can drain on things that are um, not well controlled or designed, um, what basically can be uh, messed up by the application developer and stuff like this. So it has pros and cons, but on the other side, you have more freedom and you can do cooler things, for example. Uh, Java is the designated programming language that is used for Android applications and um, let's have a quick look into the history of how Android um, evolved. Um, so the founding of the Open Handset Alliance, as I said, was in November 2007 and then they released the first um, preview of the Android SDK, but the initial release of the Android SDK uh, was about one year later in October 2008. The first device that um, supported Android was an HTC G1, and about one billion devices uh, were, ch were shipped um, until December uh, 2008 then. Uh, the resolution is like similar to the first iPhone version, so pretty low. Um, it came with a physical QWERTY keyboard. That's what you have never seen on an iPhone uh, so far. Um, but for example, on, on Blackberries, uh, uh, this was uh, typically common. And um, it also came with GPS, accelerometer, and compass, so some kind of more uh, sensitive um, reading devices. So having this physical keyboard here, well, on the one hand, it has the benefit that we have more screen real estate because we don't need to display the keyboard. On the other hand, um, the buttons here, the physical ones, get pretty small. Uh, and um, if you think about that, uh, supporting multiple language, for example, uh, for example, is also much more difficult because you cannot change the layout that easily. And as you probably all know, um, one market is to provide different types or styles of keyboards 
for mobile device platforms like the swipe keyboard, for example, or emoji keyboards and stuff like this. Uh, with a physical one, that's, that's much more difficult, of course. Um, in 2009, we had Android 1.6 um, that then had also to tackle with the screen size diversity because more devices uh, were added that had to support Android. Um, and also Google opened up the Android market, basically the same thing as the Google App Store. Um, then Android 2 came uh, in, in October. Uh, Google Maps navigation was added and uh, one, different, uh, one more difference uh, was here that um, on-screen buttons um, were now allowed, for example, for phone calls. So accepting, declining a phone call, before that you basically had physical buttons, like on classic old phones. Uh, now it was possible to move them into software, for example. Um, but at that point we still had, which you cannot see here, navigation buttons on the Android device, like the home button, a back button, uh, and stuff like this. So um, these are still there, but um, these uh, answer and answering, uh, answering and ending a phone call button, they can now be um, virtualized, basically. So what else? Um, moving on to 2010, um, cloud-to-device messaging was introduced. So for example, uh, you can um, send a, um, uh, a message, for example, a notification uh, from an app server to a device to wake the device up. Um, the Dalvik um, virtual machine just-in-time compiler was introduced. Um, as you know, Java applications, they run on a virtual machine. And this one here um, had a two up to five times performance increase uh, compared to the previous versions. Um, also, a new JavaScript engine that also brought more performance for the web. And, um, yeah. What else? So, moving on, for example, we have uh, in Android 2.3 improved UI and keyboard and uh, copy and paste. So, copy and paste is, for example, one, one thing that was pretty obvious in, in the, or what you know from, from uh, desktop systems. And it wasn't even available with the first iPhone. You couldn't copy and paste text. There was no clipboard available. So all these things like, because typically a clipboard is something that you get with keyboard shortcuts. You select, copy, and you paste. And, and these keyboard shortcuts are not there um, consistently across applications. So that's something that um, had to be thought about how to implement that. Now, a more interesting step is now Android 3, because that one was actually never open sourced. And uh, it was designed for tablets only. And that is basically the time uh, when tablets became more popular. Uh, so in, in 2010, um, I think in April, Apple introduced the iPad. And you see like about one year later, um, Android was looking into this as well, uh, bringing a uh, Windows system for the tablet. Uh, it used a new design language called holographic design. And um, also um, it had adapted UI widgets specifically for the tablet. Uh, and also um, some of the, um, the status items uh, moved uh, to the bottom of the screen. And also at that point, soft navigation buttons were allowed. So the back button, for example, the home button, these can now be on screen um, uh, compared to the physical buttons that were there. Because, yeah, well, if you provide these physical buttons on such a big device, then, yeah, they're either very small with big distance or very big and uh, yeah, probably looks a little bit weird. Um, 
Then, however, we have Envite 4, a thing that came in October 2011 uh, called Ice Cream Sandwich, and that now unified phone and tablet again. Uh, and that was then also open source um, again. So, um, um, as we said, also no hardware buttons were required now for the phones, uh, except, of course, for power and volume buttons. That, that still needs to be there. And it also introduced Android Beam, a thing that was used for exchanging data um, by NFC. Um, yeah. Then, um, so to, to compare this with, with, the, um, with the iPhone line, basically, um, when um, the iPad came out, the, um, the iPhone operating system was already merged into those compatible for the smartphone and compatible for the tablet. So that was um, the, um, the first release, I think it was iOS 4, that basically had those two um, included. Um, then uh, we have the introduction of Google Play, which is basically the same as the Android market, just a different naming. Um, we have some performance increases um, called on, on Project Butter. External display support, like wireless uh, display on a distant screen, for example. Uh, OpenGL improvements and uh, Bluetooth LE. And then uh, Android 4.4, released in 2013. That strived actually for making a operating system for the mobile platform that doesn't use that many hardware resources. And that is probably because uh, in, in developing countries, for example, uh, you have a lot of cheaper hardware available or cheaper phones, basically, because they cannot afford to buy these um, yeah, high-end modules. But still, you want to provide a, uh, a user interface and an operating system that has good responsiveness and usability and stuff like this. And this is basically um, the aim be behind running this on um, even uh, low-powered machines. Then with Android um, 5.0, um, a new design language called Material Design was introduced. Um, as you can see here in the video, um, we have somehow like visualizations, a lot of animations um, showing the user where something is coming from, where something is going back to, um, and yeah, just a flat look and feel basically, similar to what you have seen when we had the shift from iOS 6 to iOS 7, where everything was now um, basically flat. Uh, affordances go away, um, everything is flat and looks stylish, um, but yeah. Um, beyond smartphones, um, Android is also available on other device um, platforms. So for example, there is Android Wear, um, that is for the smartwatch here, and um, that actually, like, like iOS, um, requires a, um, a phone, but you can also use your, your iOS device to uh, connect it with a, a Google phone, basically, uh, with a Google smartwatch. Then there's Android TV. Um, I think that actually started as Google TV, and then at some point it was discontinued and then uh, was brought back as Android TV. So it is a smart TV platform where you can install applications like for video streaming and, and even games, for example. Um, basically, same approach as on the mobile platform. You have a store where you can download applications and then you can run them on your TV. And you can also cast from other devices, for example, from your smartphone um, to your Android TV, but that's already possible with Google Chromecast, for example, as well. Um, and then Android Auto, 
um, is basically um, tackles the question of when you're sitting in your car, uh, you still want to have access to your phone. For example, the map navigation system, your contacts and stuff like this. So um, what it does basically, it um, connects your phone uh, to a specific hardware installed in your car that supports Android Auto. Um, you have even integrated steering wheel controls and voice controls. And that might be a little bit difficult. So the question is like having these physical controls in your steering wheel, how can you actually interact with an application that is actually designed for a touchscreen? Um, might be a little bit difficult. Um, so you have to reconsider again um, what the UI should look like. And it brings typical stuff beyond maps like music, communication, and even voice control, for example. Yeah. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.